Chapter 2 I was not quite twelve when we first came to Liverpool, and my parents were able to keep me at home because the Liverpool Education Committee did not know of my existence. I'd come from another town and did not appear in any of their records. Six weeks before my fourteenth birthday, my presence in Liverpool was reported by my sister Fiona's school teacher, and much to my parents' annoyance, I had to attend school for those six weeks. Now I was over fourteen, my parents had no further legal obligations in respect of my education. So, at home I stayed, simmering with all the fury of a caged cat. I'd had an aunt, a spinster, kept at home all her life to be company to my grandmother, who lived on the other side of the River Mersey. This aunt seemed to have no real life of her own, and I dreaded being like her, at the beck and call of my relations, a useful unpaid servant without the rights of a servant. She was such a shadow of a person that I never ever thought that she might help me. I raged to myself that I was always the last to be provided with food and clothing. I did not even think about the lack of pocket money or other small pleasures. They were beyond my ken. In our hard-pressed family, shoes and clothing were given first to those who had to look neat for work, and then to those who went to school. I could always manage because I did not have to go out, I was told sharply. As housekeeper, I had to apportion the food. I fed baby Edward first, then Avril, who was nearly five, and then the two little boys, Brian and Tony. After them, frail, lovely Fiona and cheery Alan. I would then serve father, who never complained about the small amount on his plate. What was left was shared between mother and me. Sometimes there were no vegetables left for us, and frequently no meat, so we had a slice of bread each with margarine, washed down with tea lacking both sugar and milk. Mother still looked so dreadfully haggard that I would sometimes say, with a lump in my throat, that I was not hungry, and I would press the last remaining bits of meat and vegetable upon her. All my life I'd been afraid of her tremendous temper, but such fear had long been overridden by a greater fear that she might die. In response to my frequent complaints at not being allowed to go to work, Mother often said absently, Later on you will marry. Staying at home is good practice for it. But I had always been assured by mother and the servants that Fiona had the necessary beauty to be married, and I, well, I did have the brains. You can't help your looks, our nanny Edith used to say as she scrubbed my face. Maybe your yellow complexion is from being ill so much. It might improve as you get older. She used to seize a brush and scrape back my straight mousy hair into a confining ribbon bow at the top of my head, but she spent ages curling Fiona's soft waves into ringlets. Why do you have to be so disobedient? You're nothing but a little vixen you are. Nobody's going to marry a faggot like you when you grow up, she would shout exasperatedly. Get those muddy shoes off before I clout you. In a desperate effort to save myself from spinsterhood, I learned to obey a raised voice like a circus dog. But it did not do me much good. I was still sallow and plain, sickly and irritable. After father found a job, I fought a great battle with my parents for permission to attend night school three evenings a week. It became the single joy of my life. 
There was order and purpose in the musty, badly lit classrooms, with their double wooden desks in which, for most classes, sat more than forty pupils. The bare board floors, the faded green paint and chipped varnish, were much more pleasant and clean than my home. For the first two winters of my attendance, nobody would sit by me, because I was so blatantly dirty and I stank. Only the teachers spoke to me. In some subjects I was so behind that I needed dedicated helpers, and the teachers gave me that help. The bookkeeping teacher taught me the simple arithmetic which I had forgotten through long absence from school. The English teachers gave me essays to write, in addition to the business letters they demanded from their other pupils. They drew my attention to poems and to essays I should read. Later, I took German and French, and again the teacher drummed additional grammar into me, and introduced to me the translated works.